0: Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns! This week we are dipping our toes into the Marvel Cinematic Universe waters for the second time in an ongoing attempt to cover every last entry in the far, far far-reaching franchise. We're doing Guardians of the Galaxy, which is one of the most popular Marvel films to date. Obviously, with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 out very, very soon, it seems appropriate. Calvin had a bit of trouble with his audio this week, so please do forgive the slightly iffy audio quality at certain points when he's speaking. Do rest assured that things will be back to normal next week, but I do think this one's particularly worth listening to. There's some really great pitches at the end. It's just generally quite, quite a good episode. Pretty pleased with how it's turned out. As always, there are some incredibly minor spoilers, so uh, so this episode contains spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy, Parks and Recreation, Fatal Attraction, Star Trek, The Usual Suspects, Labyrinth, The Muppet Movie, and The Sooty Show. Enjoy! Diminishing Returns! Uh, this week we're doing Guardians of the Galaxy which is a, a a huge film series even though it's only one film deep at this point. But the second one is out soon and everyone is apparently really excited for it, so uh, we're, we're taking a, a stab at it. Guardians of the Galaxy. We, we've only done Marvel the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, once before, haven't we, with our Iron Man episode? Is that correct? Yes! Yeah. Uh, um, for that we started at the very beginning of the
1: cinematic universe, Yeah. Uh, so we only really focused on that film, we didn't really talk about much what came after.
0: So we're, we're jumping ahead today to Guardians of the Galaxy, which was part of Marvel's Phase 2. Uh, we'll get to the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in due time, I'm sure, but uh, yes, for now we're focusing on Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, so I'm Sol, as always, and, and with me today are Calvin, who you just heard, then Calvin.
1: Yes, that that that's me. That's me, and I'm not always Calvin. Sometimes I'm Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because you saw, You said you said I'm soul as always. As if as if other people don't do that. You know, as if other people aren't always that. I'm really tired. But this is not. This is not going to be a good
0: record. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh also with me is Mr Alan Turing. Not that one, the other one. I I'm not always Alan Turing, actually.
1: <laughs> right, ooh, um, did you know that um this film that we're talking about today is now retroactively referred to as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One?
2: Is it? Not in my house.
0: Yeah, yeah, that can that can piss off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's, this is like World War
0: One all over again Star Wars is is Star Wars right you, you can forget all the A New Hope bullshit it's Star Wars mm. and Raiders of the Lost Ark is Raiders of the Lost Ark you can forget all that Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones presents the me, 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 fuck off <laughs> Indiana <laughs> Jones it's Raiders of the Lost Ark
2: mm. <laughs>
0: live die so, repeat um... fuck off it's Edge of Tomorrow <laughs>
1: so Guardians of the Galaxy now it's hard to think, like, we all grew up in a time before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I think most of us probably still knew...
2: Oh, the heady days of the past.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we all kind of knew who Captain America was, who Iron Man was. Mm. We knew of these superheroes, didn't we? Well, Did I didn't. anyone know about Guardians of the Galaxy? Because I certainly didn't.
0: Well, it's it's a very no. recent property. I, I think the comic book only started in, like, like... Most of these characters were started in the 50s and the 60s, or... In the case of some, you know, DC characters, uh, Batman and Superman, you know, the 40s, Guardians of the Galaxy, the comic book franchise, only began in 2008. 2008? The same year Iron Man, the film, was released. Oh, that's well, impossible. How's that impossible?
1: Well, it can't be that new, surely, can it be? Why not?
2: Well, for one thing, Stan Lee's credited as a creator ah. of one of the characters, and uh, he
0: can't have done anything for about 30 years, surely.
1: There was a 1969
0: Yeah, I think that was just something one. of the same name that isn't...
1: But this is... Oh, right, yeah. It's, uh... Oh, no, it is kind of... Oh, is
0: it? Okay. Well, so, certainly the characters that we follow in the film are, are based on a 2008 comic book franchise. that. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the whole thing. It was a very modern series. No one really knew much about them. It was quite a surprising move from Marvel when they announced the film because mm. they've got all these more classic characters that people would have expected them to go to first, but they obviously just saw yeah. the benefit of, of doing a, a big gung-ho space western film that opened up that side of their, their universe. And yeah. In the context of um,
2: human history, why did superhumans, or people with some sort of ul- uh, ultra-powers... Become a sort of staple of storytelling, uh be that in the forties or or whenever. Like what came before that? Like obviously you got your ancient stories have got gods and things like that in them, but then there's a big gap. Like Dickens never wrote about you know someone with X-ray vision or anything. <laughs> hmm. like, what, like what 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 happened and why did Mag that change? Witch and Why was, did we start to? Was have, pretty strong though, wasn't he? I don't know, God, I'm not familiar with Magwitch.
0: You know
1: <laughs> from Great no, Expectations. No.
0: Well, yeah, I'm familiar with him. He's a big tough guy. <laughs> yeah, but not. that's not. That's as much a Superman as uh, Drax the Destroyer.
2: What about Frankenstein? He was a
0: Superman, wasn't he, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And mm, Dracula.
0: Yeah. Hey, I mean, Do- Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, that's just the Incredible Hulk, innit? Rip off.
2: Well, I guess how. <clears throat> yeah, I suppose so. I guess how you frame it is, is the way it goes. It's yeah. obviously like in yeah. the. You would have like uh, alien influences in the 40s and 50s. um radio radiation yeah. creating superhumans and then um hmm, could someone write a dissertation about the history of superman in in fiction and send it to me
0: it's the 40s really when when the modern superhero begins with the likes of batman superman captain america and i i would expect that the war played a massive role in that because you know there there, there was literally a group of people chasing literal supermen in a sense and and it was a concept being banded around, not not in quite the same way. But the uh, Superman was largely born. It, it was a couple of Jewish guys who created Superman, and and you can see that a huge deal of it, certainly the early stuff, is just this this sort of vicarious fantasy, almost this kind of like we're going to write a character who can stick up for the little guy. Um, wouldn't it be mm. brilliant if there was this guy who was just invincible? who was on the side of good, who could save everyone. And I, I do think there's a uh, a degree of that. Captain America was much the same thing. Obviously it was more propaganda than the other two, but it was very much this sense of wouldn't it be fantastic if we could just create a, a, a Superman who, who stood and, and you know, him, he, he stood for all of the, the values that America encompasses in this war and fighting for good and mm. all that sort of thing. And, so I, I, I think World War II basically must have played a, a huge part into that if we're talking about how these things came from a, you know, a sort of subconscious desire to express something based on what was happening in, in the culture at the time. What I can't quite explain is the, the more modern boom of uh popularity in superhero stuff propelling it to the the mainstream because ever since about 2001 2002 superheroes have just been coming increasingly more mainstream and popular in there i, d- I don't know it's it's difficult is is there anything you can think of that was happening late 90s early noughties that could have factored into that or is it just special effects caught up with you know the ability to put it on screen
2: yeah yeah maybe that's it. and just a couple of a couple of things hit right and you know trends don't necessarily come out they do come out of nowhere sometimes you know they don't necessarily con-
0: correspond to the larger world. So anyway, I mean like, like I touched on at the start we we've done Marvel a little bit we've 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 scraped the very tip of the iceberg with uh, our episode that we did on Iron Man. but obviously since then it, it's become a, a, a huge, huge. Huge franchise. What, since we did that episode? <laughs> since I, <laughs> since Iron Man came out. But obviously, so we're skipping over the Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America 1, 2, and... <laughs> Thor 2, Iron Man 3, The Avengers.
1: But it just it doesn't make sense to talk about those when we're talking about the first Guardians of the Galaxy, because this does work. Oh, does it work on its own, actually?
0: Mm. It, it does more than almost every other... Marvel film. This is the thing, it, it, a lot of your average people on the street don't quite seem to get that this is part of the same universe yet. I've spoken to a lot really. of people who, yeah. I, I've spoken to people. Not, the, who... in,
2: in if you watch Guardians of the Galaxy, it's not obviously connected, is it? Because it's well, just setting up those characters.
0: It is if you're paying attention, because at the end of the Avengers, Thanos is there and he does a little grin to camera. Yeah, well,
2: that's if.
0: You... Yeah, but if you just sit down and watch Guardians, and I, I, does Thanos pop up again in another film? Like he definitely pops up a couple of times before. Before I like before we get into this in much detail, I just want to kind of explore the build up to it a little bit. So. Because I remember, basically, I I was so excited for this film before it came out. And uh, <laughs> I I was very much in the minority, it would seem. Because I remember you, Alan, being flabbergasted that they were making a film about a, a space tree and a talking raccoon. And, I was, yeah. And I, 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 I still am, and I've seen it now. <laughs> I, I, but But I heard they were making this film, and it's, you know, on paper, it's so offbeat. And I thought, oh, fantastic! They're just they're just going for it. They're embracing it. And then they hired James Gunn, the guy who wrote and directed Super, that I think is uh, an underrated little low budget masterpiece of a film. I, I think su- Super is incredible.
2: Yeah, and you you introduced me to that film. Got a really quirky sense of humour. It's an interesting take on this, this superhero idea. Very interesting film, good film. So yeah, I must admit that kind of made me think. All right, you know, let's see let's see what this is. Going. And
0: and he he also um, he also wrote and directed Slither that I'm you know a fairly big fan mm. of. Yeah, he's he's, a he's good... yeah Michael Rooker's in Slither, isn't he? Yeah, and uh, he he's a good talented filmmaker. Very interesting choice from Marvel's point of view.
2: Yeah, again, right, Slither was one of those films where it's like it's kind of a horror comedy. I didn't particularly push my buttons, but. I appreciated it, and it was like, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, offbeat, kooky kind of idea. Now having watched Guardians of the Galaxy, that makes sense. But thinking in terms of, uh, yeah, your your go-to standard superhero film, it it seems like
0: an odd choice, doesn't it? Well, Marvel are very, very clever when it comes to their directorial choices. They've been very savvy. They've been hiring very interesting picks that have managed to, I think, give each of their franchises a a fairly distinct injection of something. And they also tend to be up-and-comers who they get on the cheap. So Iron Man was Jon Favreau, who, you know, he directed a few decent-level films before, but you're talking stuff like Elf and Zathura. Iron Man was his, like, in terms of blockbuster filmmaking, that was really his big breakout film. And obviously, you know, he made his uh, little Vince Vaughn comedies and things leading up to that.
2: (laughs) I know, you, you say that in a dismissive way, no, I? no, I,
0: I just mean I, I think I just felt that you were about to pick me up as if as if uh, <laughs> <laughs> as if I hadn't mentioned them, and you know, and you, you can see their DNA in Iron Man. Um, I'm not um, glossing over that, but but then you know they they got Kenneth Branagh to do Thor. And oh yeah,
1: newcomers—they got on the cheap. No, no, no. All right, but Wait, again, he I, wasn't.
2: I'm just gonna have to um, just stop a second, just because I was looking up John Favreau yeah. on uh, on the IMDb, and his latest thing on his directing is a TV series called Young Sheldon.
0: I didn't know he was involved in that, but yeah, they're making a fucking <laughs> the, the Big Bang Theory has become immortal. They're they're making a series. It's uh, it's it's very upsetting for everyone with taste. <laughs> Um right the, the newcomers they got on the cheap are James Gunn the the Russo brothers and uh Taika Watiti, who's doing Thor 3 which looks very cool what a
1: wonderful name yeah.
0: um but they you know they also got some some pretty established people in there Shane Black and Joe Johnston and Kenneth Branagh but none of those are like they they're all people with something to prove certainly as directors so they're still not like A list directors
2: which one did Shane Black do?
0: Iron Man 3. I think they brought him on to write it more than direct it. And
2: Yeah, I was going to say, Shane Black's known for his writing and like witty repartee and that sort of thing. I mean, he invented that almost yeah. in the in
0: the 80s. Um, so that makes sense for Iron Man. Oh, and Man, Joss Whedon then, really. as well, obviously. <laughs> I forgot about him. And Edgar Wright, before he dropped off. But, but, James Gunn, like when you look at what they've been doing, makes perfect sense because they're they're investing in someone they can see, has the talent and ability, and they're not going to let him, you know, fuck it up too much because they're going to have a million execs watching over his shoulder. And in a lot of ways, the little up and coming directors are more easy to control and make do what you want them to do. They're they're less likely to stand their ground and take the franchise off into weird places. You know, Joss Whedon sort of fell out with them because he was doing that and Edgar Wright again backfired on them a bit because he, he was standing his ground too much about what he wanted the film to be. The point I was making is I was incredibly excited for this film I thought it was going to be a really intelligent, like, funny subversive film that happened to be about a tree and a raccoon and and everyone was very dismissive of it. I remember posting the trailer and people being like, what the fuck's that? Uh, Then it came (laughs) out and like overnight, everyone was in love with it and thought it was the best film ever made. And it's now regarded as like this Marvel masterpiece. A lot of people say it's better than the Avengers. From the sounds of it, Alan, you are not much of a fan. (laughs) Well, interestingly,
2: I basically I watched this Five days ago, uh, I had never seen it. Was particularly bothered. It's not really my genre, anyway. I watched it. I have to say, I enjoyed it. It was very watchable. I I enjoyed the kind of the banter element of it. I was worried that was going to go too far, but it didn't. It worked. The story just about worked. Uh, you know, it's like a solid seven out of ten for me. Like a very ding, watchable, ding, ding. easy to watch film, but didn't really sort of spark anything for me.
0: I need I need a catchphrase for whenever a, a seven comes up. <laughs> <laughs> <Siete>!
2: <laughs> but yeah so i was sort of pleasantly surprised in a way. i was kind of i was expecting to not like it it came out a lot better than i th- expected and frankly as far as superhero films go it's pretty much as good as it gets for me you know unless you go down like kind of a logan way where it's not really a, an action film
0: okay calvin
1: I'm very similar, actually. I I only ended up watching this film because I got invited along to a free screening of it. And saying that, this one is probably one of the higher-tier Marvel films for me.
0: It it sounds like I might be the most negative one of the three, then. Because, as I say, I I went into this with such high expectations. And I I should make it very clear, I like the film. I do not dislike it. But it's the most paint-by-numbers, formulaic... Superhero, like it does nothing new. It does nothing that hasn't been done about five times already in the Marvel Cinematic Universe alone, let alone cinema as a whole. There are plot beats directly lifted from the Avengers or Iron Man or what have you. I I was just so unimpressed when I watched it. I like say I liked it, but I I really was hoping to be honest.
2: It sounds like we're in the same place, but. You came from above, and we came from below, and so we were yeah. kind of like, oh yeah, it was all right. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it was well, all that's right. That's true. I
0: mean, it's it's a seven out of ten for me as well. Seven. But but I think the difference is that for me, it's not it's not one of Marvel's better films. It's kind of mid level Marvel, as far as I'm concerned. I I would much rather watch the original Iron Man. I would much rather watch any of the Captain America movies or either of the Avengers movies. It, it just doesn't. I think it just has less distinctly is it, less of it is distinctly original to me at all like other than it's set in space and it's got some aliens in it and obviously I've seen that in loads of other stuff like Star Wars you know you could say I've seen a million World War 2 movies before like Captain America but I've never seen a, a World War 2 superhero movie that Steampunks everything up in that way. So,
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, I for, for me, the the sort of selling factor for me, the reason that I enjoyed it was the the banter, you know, you got Chris Pratt there, he's that's what he does. And I thought everyone else sort of was in with that. That's what kind of dragged me through because I'm not really into superhero films, and I, I bought that's more my taste. And it's not exactly like the most sparkling original wit or anything, but it was enough to kind of make me go, okay, well, this is a bit different to think, but then. You know, like I say, I think it's becoming too much of the normal. Like, it, Iron Man does it to a large extent, and then Deadpool's trying to be funny all the time. So I'm I'm worried that this is setting a trend now where you've got to make these... I, like, I don't
0: think it's setting a trend at all. Like, say Iron Man did it. If yeah. anything, Iron Man established the, the kind of sarcastic, quirky... Mm-hmm superhero trope, and if anything this is just following in its shoes.
2: Yeah, yeah, and Avengers is the, like, the kind of the group the ensemble uh, essence of that as well where you got yeah. a couple who are really serious yeah. and then a couple who are the Jokers.
0: And it, it really, it frustrates me how often I see people comparing it to the Avengers like, like, people always say oh, there's gonna be an Avengers Guardians of the Galaxy crossover and it's like, no, it's it's just, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy are gonna show up in the third or fourth Avengers movie, and that's inevitable that's not it, they're not uh. on the same pegging just because there's like five or six however many people in the Guardians of the Galaxy and they're a team the, the, the joy of the Avengers is because it's like well it's the characters from Iron Man and the characters from the Incredible Hulk and the characters from Thor are all being smushed together and Guardians of the Galaxy uh. is like on par with one of those it's not the same as a whole team it's not like the Avengers, Justice League, oh, and Guardians of the Galaxy are on equal uh, pegging with them. That's just silly. Um, the the cast of the films really good. Uh, I guess we should talk about that for a little bit. So we've well, got. John I guess the, we've got the obvious place to start would my... be Chris
2: Pratt, surely.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. We go to John C. Riley. Well, no, I just wanted. To, I just wanted to say really. <laughs> yeah, good, let's go the cameo, John. Yeah, we've got John C. Riley, who is probably my favourite actor. In, in the out. worst performances ever given? It's such a way... I heard he was going to be in the film, and I think, again, this is part of what contributed towards me being disappointed with it. He, like, he barely does anything. And Peter Serafinowicz as well. He oh, pops up. Now
2: that's the worst performance I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, presumably this was filmed in England, or bits of it, because there's a few yeah, sort yeah. of English names just pop up for no apparent reason. But yeah, there are quite a few little cameos that I guess are yeah, setting up for other things like Benicio Del Toro, or Glenn Close. popping up. Howard the Duck.
0: Howard the Duck. I mean, yeah. <laughs> now that I liked, <laughs> that was good.
1: They're not actually going to do a proper Howard the Duck at any point, are they?
0: I very much doubt it. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up having a bit of a bigger role in a future Guardians movie down the line. But I, I mean, I, I remember joking when when the deal for um, for Lucasfilm to be acquired by Disney was announced. The the first thing I I went to is ah, they can they can bring Howard. The duck back into the Marvel cinematic universe. Everyone else was going on about Star Wars This and Star Wars that. But for me it was like, ah, how are the ducks back? That'll be interesting. (laughs) Um and I was only sort of joking, but so then then when I like saw that in the cinema, I was I was very happy. There's a few cameos like that for for like real Marvel nerds, characters from comics who pop up in the background of the collector's lair but you have to be even more into it than I am to know about them or care other than that dog uh, who I think everyone thinks is liker but um, is that but is yes. actually just some some marvel character i was very disappointed to find out because the idea that mind. that dog is liker is a fantastic little gag and it's <laughs> it's not <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah then then the main cast so as you say Chris Pratt who this is really his um I mean this this was a defining moment where pudgy's supporting role in a sitcom somehow turned into an a-list actor like overnight I yeah, mean that's honest, when you actually see the final film it makes sense
2: because it's a it's essentially a comedy role you need someone who's got a bit of spark about them, who can improv, who can throw odd little lines out there.
0: It makes um, more sense than Hollywood usually ever does, though. This is the thing. Like, th- There's so many instances <laughs> yeah. where it would make sense to hire someone of that ilk for a film, and they won't do it. They, they hire... Scarlett Johansson and then Asian are up instead. I mean yeah, it's
2: a, a brave choice, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I, I suppose that, that is James Gunn at work for you there. That that's the sort of thing that you get when you hire someone like that, I suppose.
2: Yeah, I mean you've got Rain Wilson in Super. Yeah.
0: Rain you know that part? Uh that part in Super was written for John C. Riley, but the oh, really? The uh, studio financing it actually basically said he wasn't bankable enough. They couldn't, <laughs> he wasn't a big enough name.
2: What, the Oscar winner, John C. Riley? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think he was trying to get it financed about, like, maybe about 10 years earlier with John C. Riley involved and. I think it was off the back of some other stuff he'd done that he then managed to get the financing and then availability didn't line up or something. But yeah.
1: But yeah, no, th- this was a great time for Chris Pratt because it was this and was it the same year or next year that Jurassic World came out? And that, like, the next year, yeah, I believe, And that's yeah. like cemented him now. As... Yeah.
2: Well, I don't know. I wouldn't have done Jurassic... World, were it not for this, I, I, yeah, exactly. Like, this was what made him acceptable. Ex- well, no, I in.
1: saw an interview with Steven Spielberg, and they were filmed more or less at the same time. This and um, Spielberg does talk about they were really sort of unsure about whether or not it would work.
0: I bet you his casting had a huge impact on their having faith in him, though. I I, I bet you it was oh, a totally. yeah. part. The fact that Marvel were taking meetings with him, and you know, Marvel Disney. Lucasfilm, Spielberg—it's all the same bunch of people involved. So,
2: oh yeah, yeah, you got you. But then Steven Spielberg wouldn't even think of Chris Pratt. But then, hey, Chris Pratt—who's whos gonna be the big star next year because he's in that Guardians film? Yeah, then I'll look at him. But Chris Pratt, the guy in the sitcom, he wouldn't even consider him because the the role in Jurassic World isn't that kind of comedy
0: role. He's still unproven, though. Well, he, hes not—he's not unproven insofar as. There's a whole wealth of material showing his ability out there. So it's, yeah. it, it just kind of gets him, it gets the casting director to put him in front of Spielberg without being laughed out of the room. Spielberg True. then True. watches yeah, exactly, a few episodes yeah. of Parks and Recreation that he probably <laughs> hadn't even heard of otherwise and goes, Yeah, yeah. this guy's got the right sort of. I forgot about that. I
2: think they probably kept that way. <laughs> You're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> they probably were like, Look, he's in Moneyball.
0: Yeah, he's in, yeah, that, he's, look. He's in <laughs> Zero Dark 30. Peter Serafinowicz was in Parks and Rec. Do you think that? Have you seen that? Because because he, he does lose all the weight. Like it, it's when they were filming Guardians of the Galaxy, his character suddenly loses all the weight, and it's just brushed aside with like one line of dialogue, like, "Oh yeah, I just stopped drinking beer, and all the weight fell off." And they're like, "Oh okay." <laughs> and then, uh, but then, and then he moves to London. Because, like, obviously he was filming at Pinewood and they couldn't, like, they were like, well, we can still do a couple of episodes with him in London. So he goes to London and he's hanging out with Peter Serafinowicz. And, oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And, uh, and then they, like, leave him behind for a few episodes and then...
2: They literally just filmed it on the lunch break in Gardens. of the <laughs> <laughs> Who else is in
0: it? <laughs> Zoe Soldana? Zoe Yeah, I like her. Again, I kind of felt like she was a bit wasted in this film. She wasn't given much opportunity to do very much, really, other than be green.
2: (laughs) What about that love story, then? That's uh, very subtle and well-played, isn't it? yeah. yeah. (laughs) Why do they feel the need to do that still? It's
0: very annoying.
2: And And it's not even justified in the world. It's like they barely even speak and in fact they sort of pretty much trying to kill each other and then all of a sudden he's like right complete moral reversal i'm changing my character
0: to save this woman and because mm. it means so much to me for love well well david bowie was just playing on the soundtrack so that that's going to make anyone fall in love isn't it
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yes there is the soundtrack which is a uh...
0: i mean that that was that was a big a big factor into the film's success was this eclectic jukebox soundtrack these great hits from you know the 70s 80s uh, again like i i'm not that impressed with someone's ability to curate a load of great songs i i, I do it all the time guys Making yeah my
2: my issue with it was that it seemed a bit gimmicky and it's like and it worked it got away with it they kind of made it makes sense in the narrative just about. But yeah, it just felt a bit like...
0: Yeah. It's a great soundtrack, but I, I don't know. I feel like for a lot of people that like made the film for them. and it, Yeah. It's like, well, there's loads of films with great music.
2: I mean, apart from anything else, it just creates a diff- slightly different atmosphere, a different feel, along with the kind of... True. You know, Peter Quill's particular character, that, like yeah. we've said before. It at least creates something a little bit different.
0: It, like I say, the fallout of it's annoying, though. You, you can see in films like Suicide Squad, where they've clearly, like retroactively gone. Oh, that film had some cool music. Let's just like shove a load Mm. of songs that don't fit all over the edit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we haven't actually talked about. I would say the real
1: stars of the film. Vin Diesel and Rocket. Yes, Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper. Well, hang on before
0: before we get to the voice actors. Um, Mm. should we quickly cover Dave Bautista or however you say his name? Oh yes.
1: Oh yes. Yes.
0: Um, so my understanding he was a wrestler so Alan yes. you've got a history of uh, you, you love it when a wrestler is plucked from the <laughs> the World Wrestling Federation um, or whatever it's called no
2: I think I think what you've mistaken that for is I love Dwayne the Rock Johnson um, <laughs> I I'm not saying that all wrestlers turn actors are of that quality <laughs> uh, yeah but it's um, yeah you want a big muscle guy for the role yeah. and
0: Get a big muscly guy. Oh, and, and, and quickly as well, uh, Benicio Del Toro, we've uh, not really touched oh, yes. on properly. He's yeah. the
1: collector, who is going to be a big part in future installments, I understand. I hope
0: so, yeah, because that, that was probably my favourite part.
2: It did seem a little bit like Will Ferrell in uh, Zoolander, <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, then, as you say, Calvin, the, the two like real stars of the show are the CGI... <laughs> um, Characters that aren't real. So yeah. we've got Groot, the tree alien thing, uh, mm. voiced by uh, Alan's favourite Vin Diesel. <laughs> he is my favourite Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, then the other one is is as we say, Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon, who, out of all the casting choices, I, I was pretty disappointed with, because um, <laughs> oh, well, I knew there was this big exciting raccoon character. I think at one point there was talks of Danny DeVito being courted for the role. I was expecting a real, like, (laughs) a really exciting voice. You know, someone who's Mm. fun and I like. Bradley Cooper's a perfectly fine actor, but he's also incredibly bland, if you ask me. I, I really don't think there's much about him.
2: In terms of his voice, it didn't bring anything interesting yeah. to the part, did it? That's it's just it. like it just, I wouldn't even it... I couldn't have even necessarily told you it was Bradley Cooper. It was just this kind of male voice. But having said that, his performance is good and I think Bradley Cooper is a good actor and that comes across it's just not a particularly interesting voice,
0: and his performance as Rocket is fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but I I want someone like Danny DeVito playing that role. He, he's got a funny voice, so. uh... Hmm. uh, <laughs> uh yeah, but he can't especially.
1: just be funny. He's got to be a badass as well, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, but Danny DeVito's like a great actor as well. Let's not forget. I'm not. I'm not saying just yeah, get. Yeah, oh with a...
1: yeah. It's not a slight against Danny DeVito, but it's you know.
0: All right. Well, I just mean there's so many people with really interesting voices who I don't know, it just it felt like modern guest stars on the Simpsons when you just think, "Ugh, this guy's not yes. suited to animation <laughs> at all." Get get someone like who is? Get get a I don't know. Who who would you cast as Rocket Raccoon?
1: I think Kelsey Grammer would do it.
0: Now that would actually <laughs> be pretty good. Like genuinely, <laughs> if, if you could get him to play oh, the no. badass moments at the right level, which I think he probably could. I mean, maybe he's maybe, just yeah. maybe he's a bit too upper class, and Rocket's meant to be a bit more from the streets. But you know, who I'd cast as Rocket Raccoon. Actually, no, you know, I, you know what? I would cast this guy's Groot. Oh, Werner Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perfect. I am Groot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But those two characters make it, don't they? Like those two characters are great and funny. They're um, they're
0: the heart and soul of the film. Although I didn't like the um oh, I'm gonna sacrifice myself to save everyone at the end. Ooh, oh no, he's dead. Oh, is he dead? Oh no, he's obviously still alive. It's like ugh. and they but
1: they've really embraced that. Like he's not fully grown for the next film. Like it is baby Groot. They call like, him yeah. baby Groot. And
0: I'm is. I'm really annoyed with how because apparently. Apparently, when he does that, he loses his memory. So Baby Groot is him without his memory, which just seems completely pointless. Uh, if if they said if they said this isn't Groot, it's like a an offshoot grown from Groot's body, like a bud that we've yeah, it's
2: Groot's you know. child. Yeah,
0: if that was how they were playing it, then all right, I could get behind that. That would mean like he actually did legitimately sacrifice himself and stuff like that, but. But apparently it's Groot, but he's just lost his memory, and there's a slight implication that he might regain his memory down the line, and mm. it all just seems a bit.
2: Now, what will happen is because the the raccoon took one light like, twig and replanted
0: it, and, and he's grown the new Groot. At the end, going to so be so what's going to happen later on down Groot. the line?
2: There's going to be like a thousand Gro- uh, a Groot army, yeah, uh-huh. baby
0: Groot army that will save the day. Yeah, you're uh, you're probably right. But the
2: but the, vil- the villain the villain gathered up the twigs. Grew a group oh. army, and then, like, but then at the end, they, they gain all the memories and they go, Oh, yeah, Rocky Raccoon, you're our friend. Groot, yeah. I am Groot. And, and he says, We are Groot again. Yeah, yeah. yeah we are Groot. They become Legion. They're one. Yeah. That's it. That's my prediction. <laughs> yeah. Shall we do our pictures? Then? I guess so,
1: yeah. I'm just going to nip to the loo quickly. I'll just be five minutes. Well, not even that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not even that. It's, it's hard when it's, like, something so driven by what the characters do, <laughs> and, and they're, rather, you can't just say Guardians of the Galaxy in space or anything like that, so. <laughs> My film, my Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, would begin uh, in, in
1: space, and there's <laughs> a big spaceship battle thing happening. Uh, we see Star-Lord and his band of the Groot, and the Raccoon, and... Oh, what are the other ones? Uh, Gamora, and... Sodom. Mm-hmm, uh, uh, and Drax. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's a big fight, and it's all it's all very exciting, and it's against a villain, and blah blah blah, getting blown up, and it's really cool and stuff. And on the ground, Glenn Close, as Nova Prime, is directing them. Her and um, Peter Quill, Star-Lord, Chris Pratt, they get into a bit of a argument about something that he wants to do, and then she's saying no, do this, and he, and uh, yeah, and then she's like no, do th- no do this, and he's like no, I don't play by the rule books or whatever, and he goes and he <laughs> does his thing, and he and he wins, and uh, that's the end of the battle. Very exciting opening ten minutes, and they all come back down, and uh, he has a a private meeting with Nova prime who's really pissed off that he's uh tells him off you should be listening to me and all that kind of stuff and star lord's like oh god how do i get out of this she's gonna like suspend me or something so he's like oh wait is
2: this is this turning into james bond where he's getting (laughs) told off by M?" Well, it Still kind not, of is. I mean, she, she's she's pretty playing legit. by the rules. This is where your 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 mind naturally goes to this place, doesn't it, Calvin? I mean, I, I go a very different <laughs>
1: way from it. I don't know. I'm, I'm just dealing with what I've got here, which is a wisecracking hero and a woman like finger wagging at him. Um, what
2: about anyway. Chris Pratt as the next Bond, Calvin? How would you feel about that? No. <laughs> no. 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 What? no. Why not? No. Just...
1: What's wrong with just that? Do that? Why not? No.
0: Like a no. wisecracking cracking bomb.
1: No, he's too I think he's uh he's a bit too sort of um thick for it. Like <laughs> just like body shape is too.
0: A you can thick. lose the weight. What, as We've opposed to that? Daniel he can, Craig. He can drop the th- no, 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 no. frame like the drop of a hat. He's like he's like um Jonah Hill. Yeah, how would you feel <laughs> about a fat bond? It's it's time for some real inclusiveness, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Right, anyway. So he's getting a telling off. And she's like, oh, don't do it. But he thinks, oh God, how am I going to get this? Right, I'll turn on the old, uh, Star Lord charm. So he like starts flirting with her a little bit and he's like, oh, let's, should we go out for a dinner or something? And she's like, oh, oh yes, we shall. <laughs> and so they go out for dinner and they have a really nice date and it's really nice. And, uh, that they're about to leave, and Chris Pratt's thinking, like, oh, great, I've got out of this. And then he sort of, like, he tries to friend zone her, but she reacts kind of badly to it. So he's like, oh, no, 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 it's fine, we'll go on a second date. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Anyway, um, they have a little montage here as they end up going on dates over and over and over again. Uh, and eventually he ends up in bed with her, and they begin a relationship. This is all while um, his other girlfriend, him and S- Sodom, or whatever her name is, what's her name? Gamora, that's the one. Uh... Their boyfriend well she she can be she can be sort of like, oh where where have you been like tonight and stuff? Oh no, I've just been out with the lads. And, and actually, he's been out with Nova, and they've been having relations and that sort of thing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so he gets a bit jealous, and he's coming back, and he's like, Oh, I can smell something on you. Who is that? You know, what's that perfume? And he's got to come up with excuses for it and stuff. So, eventually, it all gets a bit out of hand, and he goes to Nova Prime, and he has to be like, Alright, love, I'm sorry, I need to call this off. And she reacts really badly to it. She's like, What are you do? No, you can't do this to me, and all that kind of stuff. And she starts going, Oh, oh no. <laughs>
2: Oh god! Can I make a prediction where you're going with this? Yes. Does Does Rocky Raccoon get boiled in a pan? <laughs> you have seen the
1: connection that I've made with uh, Glenn Close's filmography. <laughs> and... Uh, we have tense scenes as, like, Nova Prime is stalking Star-Lord and Gamora around the space base or whatever it is, and she's, like, um, sending, you know, threatening emails and leaving, like,
0: <laughs> like bags of poo and then lighting on fire in front of her door and running away. Is she preparing for a role as the Joker? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's all getting very tense,
1: and it all comes to a, a climax when uh, Star Lord comes home and he sees that the door's been broken down. Oh my God, what's going on? He he walks in and there's there's a, a couple of pans boiling on the on the <laughs> hob, and he go he goes to one. And he lifts up the lid and he sees there's Groot in there. And he, he screams and it's like, Oh no, what's happening? And then Anova Prime comes rushing in and she's like, What, what, what? And he's like, You've boiled Groot, and she's like, No, no, that's just bay leaves. That's I'm I'm just preparing a, a nice <laughs> dinner for us. And it's like, Oh, phew, oh good, oh I'm so happy about that. What what are you cooking? And then she lifts up the other pan and it's Rocky Rocket the Raccoon is in it, and she's like,
2: Raccoon and bay leaves. Um, I don't know. <laughs> And then he's like, oh no. How big are these pans? <laughs> <laughs> They're massive.
1: <laughs> and then there's a fight and Gamora comes back and she's like, oh my god, what's going on? And they have to have a conversation. And, uh, and eventually... Oh god, a conversation. And eventually uh, Nova Prime is... I can't remember Fatal Attraction very well but she ends up in a bath <laughs> and she gets shot. And uh, that's the end of the film. <laughs>
2: Oh, wow, <laughs> I think if you, if you're gonna do that, Calvin, you need to really embrace this. So you need to pull in other characters. So like you could have, uh, you know, John C. Riley as one of his previous characters. I thought, I
0: thought you were gonna say um, Glenn Close characters specifically. I, so Corella Deville <laughs> shows up. Corella
2: Deville. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah no but like you have like wreck it ralph turns up he's trying to <laughs> he's trying to fix the sink <laughs> i'm gonna wreck it she's <laughs> boiling what like him. um what's the name
1: uh what's the name from parks and rec she can turn up and she can be like doing yeah. some intergalactic Which one? park the main one what's her name <clears throat> tina Fey's amy m- poehler amy poehler that's it she can come in and do something.
0: Get Aubrey Plaza in because she ah. was Chris Pratt's love interest in in Parks. Yeah, and that'd rec, work. So they can uh, go toe to toe about. That'd work. Something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Groot like gets in the car and drives really fast. And and Zoe Saldana. So Chris Pine can turn up as Captain Kirk because he's into green women, and he can be like, Uhura, mm. you're you're green. <laughs> And, and Vin Diesel, uh, the Iron Giant, can turn up and just hang out with Groot, and they can say one <laughs> word back and forth at each other.
1: Family good.
2: <laughs> when Nova Super. Prime is, like, boiling the raccoon, and <laughs> they're having a big fight or whatever, uh, Peter Serafinowicz can come down, and he's like, can you keep the fucking funky noise down? I've got to a word to know. <laughs> and he's like, what a
0: prick. <laughs> oh, and then they nick his car. <laughs> Corella Deville can be trying to steal Rocket Raccoon to make a <laughs> like a a necklace or something. Making <laughs> a mink coat. And yeah. she a raccoon coat. 101 <laughs> raccoons. <laughs> and uh Benicio del Toro as the collector can just be like farting in a in a lineup with everyone. <laughs> like like in the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy, just farting and they're all laughing at him. <laughs> Is that one lost on you? Is that
1: happening? <laughs> the usual suspects? Does someone fart?
0: When they were filming it, Benicio Del Toro is just like cutting one every like 10 seconds. That's oh, was why he? Every, That's why everyone was laughing. That was, was maybe like a really serious scene and he kept farting yeah. and it just ended up being this like jokey banter. Well, I, I know that scene,
2: like they, they ended up having a lot of laughs about it and kind of improvised a lot of it. then mm. Mostly it's because Benicia of Del Toro was farting yeah. Give me a kiss, fucking speaking. cocksucker <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, like, so here we are um, Kevin Pollack said that the they were all laughing and stuff because Benicia Del Toro quotes farted like 12 takes in a row <laughs> <laughs> Del Toro himself said quotes somebody farted but no one knew who <laughs> <laughs>
1: right.
0: So uh, there you go Windy Del Toro
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> right, so what do you guys have for your uh, pictures?
0: <laughs> okay, it's a spin-off about The Collector, so that's already a good a good start. Okay. Um, he gets a visit from Thanos' mate, who's uh, played by the knockoff Giles from uh, Buffy and Angel, if you've watched that. Anthony Head. Uh, the
2: knock-off Giles.
0: Yeah, there's, there's like... There's, oh, wow. there's a knockoff Anthony Head who comes in partway through, uh, played by, I think he's called Alexis Deni- Denisov, Denzinov or something. Oh, okay. And uh, he's like the replacement Giles, but he's not as good. And then he became a big part in the spin off Angel. And he's actually a really good little character. Um, oh. And yeah, he, he comes knocking. He Oh, sorry, I should add, he's he's played by, he plays the guy's mate in, like, the, the films. Whenever you see that little guy in, uh, I think it's the Avengers up on a. On a space rock? What are you talking about? Oh. Do you remember all that in the Avengers? There's some guy in a <laughs> like an alien on a meteor yeah. or something. Well, well, basically this guy plays this character who hangs around with Thanos in these movies. I've not just Anthony Head. <laughs> no, no, he's knockoff Anthony Head. He's like bargain bin Anthony Head. Uh... Alexis Denisov, or whatever he's called. Oh, um, okay, then. So he he comes he comes knocking. Anyway, he's looking for some Infinity Gems. Uh, and they end up with a, a big a big fight, uh, defending all the pieces that the Collector already owns. But after he defeats the guy, he, he finds there's a map on him and finds that there's another infinity gem on this uh, distant, inhospitable planet. Oh. So Howard the Duck, who's uh, now oh, free because his went. case got smashed in the fight. <laughs> <laughs> What's
1: wrong with Howard the Duck? <laughs> No, it's fine. It's... I've never actually seen the film.
0: I mean I'm not a big fan of the, the film Howard the Duck. <laughs> Just the concept. I'm yeah. A duck yeah. Howard the Duck plays quite a big part in the uh the Army of Darkness versus Marvel Zombies comic series. Oh, yeah, it's well. quite a big part in that. Mm-hmm. It's good.
2: Sounds good yeah. though. I'll have
0: to yeah. check that out. Howard the Duck, so he's now free, his case got all smashed up in the fight. He, he convinces the Collector that he should come along and uh, help. So the two of them embark on an Indiana Jones adventure, playing into how the opening scene of Guardians is very clearly inspired by uh, raiders. Mm. Then we've just got a series of action set pieces, finding clues leading from one to the other on this planet. Uh, there's bits of the planet like Venice, bits like volcanic temples, bits like ice deserts. You know, just all all the locations you want to see, really. Mm. Like like in Mario Kart, you just kind of kick <laughs> off, you know. Rainbow Road, Wario Woods, and, <laughs> and anyway, then then at the end, maybe the the Guardians like show up or something because they're looking for the same thing, and uh, <laughs> they they realize they're being chased by the bald woman from Doctor Who, <laughs> so they decide to work together rather than against each other. There's a lot of that goes on in these films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They ultimately make it back to uh, the collector's lair, um, having got the gem and had a big action fight and everything. And then he traps them all in boxes and puts them on display <laughs> as as the guardians of the galaxy. Ooh. And, and then the camera pulls back, and uh, you guess guess who else he's collected, guys? Uh,
1: um, the X-Men. No. Oh, uh...
0: Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Captain America... All the Avengers, oh, oh, no. and, and then he says, and he says something like "assembled" and walks off, like <laughs> shit like that. And then, and then uh, that sets up the next Avengers movie, which is going to be a uh, a great escape prison break like movie. Oh, yeah, prison break. Brilliant. I think that idea would be good because you, you're focusing in on the uh, on another two colourful characters who, mm. who I, I wanted more screen time from. I think all the fans of the first film who really loved it would probably be disappointed to not have the uh, not have the characters they were invested in returning till the very end. Whatever. Mm. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> put, them in, put all their bits so. in the trailer and it'll
2: sell. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Alan, what's your idea?
2: It was an awkward one to, to find something for this. I struggled with it for quite a while, and basically in the end I went just kind of conceptual with it, uh, just to just throw a kind of a a different condition on there and and see if it created anything interesting.
0: So Dogma 95?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that would be really good. What I decided was, and I think it was from watching the film because there's that, like, the precursor is set in the 80s, and it has that kind of, because of the music, has that kind of feel to it. I thought, what would this film have been like if it had been made 30 years ago? Now, I appreciate the characters didn't exist and all that, but that's not the point. (laughs) It's just a, a thought experiment. Imagine, if you will, it's 1987. Um, okay. So Star Wars is done, uh, and they're look and they're looking for like new, well, Star Wars ripoff, basically. Uh, so that's that's what this is. So completely different uh, conditions. You can't do your CGI uh, like you can now. So most of the aliens and everything would be puppets. So you first call this to Jim Henson because you need him to create uh, Rocky Raccoon and, and Groot specifically. Uh, but then all your other aliens as well. Do you know uh, Labyrinth, the David Bowie film? Yes, I yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's my my reference point for Rocky Raccoon is uh, the little nine. Are, are thing you saying
1: Rocky the... or Rocket?
2: He's one of the Rockettes. Because
1: <laughs> I... <laughs> I think you were saying Rocky, and it's Rocket, Rocky isn't Raccoon. He? Yeah. No, it's Rocky. Rocket. Rocky. Rocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, like, I don't think they call him Rocket. That's a ridiculous name.
1: <laughs> no, but th- that's his name.
2: He's named after a lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
0: so... Calvin, he's, he's, he's fucking with you, Calvin. Oh, right. Oh, oh, I
1: thought... Oh, I was he's
0: taking, doing it on purpose. It's fine. I'm taking it all very seriously. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so in Labyrinth, there's this little like knight who's a fox or something, and he rides a dog.
0: Oh, I remember that, yeah.
2: So anyway, that's my reference point for Rocky Raccoon because he's like a little rodent-y raccoon thing. So he's gonna look like that. I'm think have got to think of casting here. So um
0: Well obviously David Bowie is the collector. <laughs>
2: <Right away. laughs> yeah, I'm alright. I'm alright right like that. Rocket Raccoon is is one of the ones I actually want to change. Character. Uh Rocky Oh Rocky. Yes. Okay, so I wanna change his character a little bit. Stallone. Um <laughs> yeah. My my character change for him is I want to make him a little bit more kind of uh, neurotic and kind of, um, you know, he's still pretty kind of messed up because he's Woody a weird genetically created freak. <laughs> you're not far off. You're not. You're in the right sort of area. Um, and but Barry yeah, David. but also I, I think it would suit the character. <laughs> Because essentially, what he becomes in the film is like the tech guy, isn't he? He's like the nerdy, he can put anything together kind of guy. Yeah. So Late it would night. it would work. <laughs> no, no, come on. I've got I've got an idea. So he's he's not he's not the big strong character. He's the brainy one, and like he's but he's a bit more yeah, uh, Woody Allen esque, I suppose. More of a worrier than a warrior. Um, so. So I'm thinking 1980, 1987, that sort of era. Who would you get to voice that character?
0: David Hyde Pierce.
2: <laughs> no. I've gone with Rick Moranis.
0: Ah, oh, oh yes. C- yes, of course, perfect. Hey, can we get John Candy to play Star Lord and just get him to slim down? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, for Groot, it's pretty simple. What you you just get a, a really big guy and Frank Oz strap some wood to him and like make him really good. You, you could get, like, Frank Oz doing the voice, maybe. <laughs> you, need, you need a really skilled actor to portray that kind of emotion. For the actual physical of Groot, I've got, a per- I've got the perfect person. I don't know if you'd know who he is. He's not an actor. Back in the 80s, there was a basketball player named Manute Ball. He was very famous because he was he was the tallest ever professional basketball player. He was seven foot seven. He's not just tall, but he's he's also like freakishly thin, and his limbs were really, like his arm span was eight foot six. Like he had just these freakishly long limbs. I think he'd be perfect. He put a load of wood on him. Look at, honestly, Google image this guy because you've never seen anything like it. M A N U T E.
0: So he looks normal there. It's just his face. Jiminy Cricket. My God, oh, wow. he's huge.
2: But it's not just these big, isn't it? It's those weird, like spider legs. he's guys, it's, yeah. it's freakish, isn't it? So I mean, imagine on that... all
1: fours. Like, that would be terrifying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so imagine him with like wood prosthetics attached to him. Yeah, <laughs> going. I am Groot.
0: You know. You know. Just on a quick side note, right? You know, how Groot says, "I am Groot." Yes. Mm-hmm. So he, he obviously learnt those three words in English. Yes. And then he just stopped. <laughs> What's that about? And, and he learns we are Groot, so he understands grammar. But he, but he learn. He, he's an alien. Presumably, he speaks alien tree language. All right, I'm going to um, assume. So but no, no, because he learns when, three words in English, and then he just doesn't bother trying to. There should be loads of scenes where, a, like Rocket Raccoons, like working on him, and they're learning language. And is there a you scene? you see, so you've
2: got it. You've got it wrong. Him. You've got it all the way around wrong. Because he, when he says, "I am Groot." the raccoon understands him completely, like, as a different language. So, obviously, what his language is the words, I am Groot, but said in a different intonation to mean many different things. And that just happens to sound in English like, I am Groot. That's why they call him Groot. His name's not really Groot, Apart from it's just the these words. He
0: says, we are Groot.
2: <clears throat> well, exactly, but that means something else. Just, it's
0: just a phenomenal coincidence. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That is that is astounding, actually. But you're <laughs> right, you're right. So, remember when Sooty would just kind of talk in the guy's ear? Is it, yes. Is that the same thing? No, no, he was just talking very quietly, wasn't he? <laughs> he was just shy. Okay, no, I, I, yeah, fair enough. It's just it's a very complex language of, yeah, no, you're right.
2: Like, Why the hell could you went? You went to sooty, but not sweep, who actually does just talk in a m- mindless noise language. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what always really freaked me out as a kid, and this will bring us back to your labyrinth pitch. Okay. Is uh, when you'd see when you'd see sooty and sweep's legs. Oh, yeah. Now, it wasn't that unnerving? There'd be, like, a camera shot of just <laughs> these, like, puppet legs, like, bu-dum, bu-dum, like, walking along. And, oh,
1: well, it's always it's like, horrible. how if they, if they do actually have legs like that, then how do they... Because they're always, like, behind a desk or a cabinet or something. Like, presumably there's, like, a little platform there or something. Because, like, humans are stood yeah, behind it and it only goes in yeah. their waist. So it's like, how the <laughs> hell... Either
0: they've got incredibly long legs or there's some kind of pulley system that they have Like, going. uh... Like minute ball. <laughs> <laughs> so, are we gonna see? Are we gonna see Rocket Raccoon's legs in your pitch, challenge?
2: Um, only in a very awkward way. Um, we occasionally just see him like cr- climbing onto a chair or something.
0: Or like when you see Kermit riding a bike in the Muppet movie. <laughs> now, the other change, obviously, we're gonna have to make is that
2: if this is set in the eighties, then the young Peter Quill would have had to have been abducted much earlier. Now, I'm going to time slip it slightly and make it the late 60s rather than, say, the 50s because that will give us a better soundtrack and okay, yeah. he can have, like, a little portable record player that he drags around with him all the place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it means you get the 60s soundtrack. It's, like, it's pretty cool. What sort of songs are you looking at here? Beatles, Rolling uh, Stones?
2: you got to mix it up, haven't you? A bit of Motown.
0: Whatever fits the... Um, you could have the original version of uh Hooked on a Feeling, which was released in the sixties before they covered it for the version used in the film. A bit of Elvis yeah. maybe
2: something like that.
0: Well that just now it's just getting into Lilo and Stitch territory. You avoid <laughs> that. Although this would be made first, so they'd be ripping you off. It's alright. <laughs> so so Peter Quill, you're gonna get someone from a sitcom, presumably? No, sitcom? no, 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 no. Bear in mind we're th- you're thinking this is But bear
2: in mind this is just a Star Wars ripoff. So what we need is a Harrison Ford rip-off. So who's the new Harrison Ford of the 80s, or should have been? Okay, i am going with Dennis Quaid. He should have been the new Harrison Ford. I don't know where it all went wrong.
1: Yeah. But
2: um, but at this point, like in the 80s, I mean, he was hot off of Jaws 3D, so he would have been a big name. <laughs> we could have...
0: <laughs> I don't think anyone was hot off
2: Jaws
0: 3D. <laughs> He's playing Zoe Saldana's role, then.
2: Well, I don't know good about War, that, because I don't really know. I don't really do women. I'm not really that good with the women. So
0: Margot Kidder. Who
2: yeah. <laughs> was like the young up-and-comer of the eighties?
1: Glenn Close. <laughs>
2: oh.
0: What about Leah Thompson?
2: I don't know about
0: that. <laughs> she's, she's more of a. She's got more of a motherly. I mean, Howard the Duck gives her a blowjob in Howard the Duck. Sorry, not a blowjob. She's Howard the Duck. She gives Howard the Duck yeah, that a blowjob. That job. would be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking yeah. he eats her out, but that'd be. I mean, oh. imagine a duck doing that with its beak. <laughs> Ugh. God. There's like a scene when they go smashing through someone's apartment or something, and there's just like a duck woman in the bath, and okay. she goes oh, and she's got like duck boobs with nipples and everything. It's really God. weird. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> family
2: film. Uh, yeah, I know it should be uh, Phoebe Cates. Who's um,
0: that? She's the girl from
1: Gremlins.
2: And because I was thinking this film would be directed by Joe Dante, uh, uh, like off the back of Gremlins, happened. like he would have. This Very is good, sort of the next step. But I've got one, one more casting, of course. The one, one—it's the '80s. Who are you going to get to play Drax? Come on, I think this one's obvious.
1: Arnie.
2: Arnold Schwarzenegger. Come yeah. on. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, perfect. Got the—he's got the look. He's got the inability to act. He's got the kind of not quite human comprehension of language. It's perfect. <laughs> so anyway, that's pretty much my idea. Just do it with puppets. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs>
0: Well, that was Guardians of the Galaxy. At the start of this year, we did a trilogy of episodes covering the work of M. Knight Shyamalan. We're doing something similar starting next week with another new trilogy of episodes covering one topic in great depth. So uh, you have that to look forward to. If you are Peter Quill, you may want to consider adding a few episodes of Diminishing Returns to Awesome Mix Volume 3. And for the rest of you, help spread the love, as always. Alright, thanks, bye! So Alan, apparently when Dave Bautista found out he got the role of Drax, he broke down in tears, overjoyed at getting a a Marvel comic book role, and uh, immediately signed up for acting classes. (laughs)
2: To <laughs> I love it. Sign up for acting classes after you've got a role in a multi-million-dollar budget um, f- feature film. <laughs> yeah, good work. I wonder when he uh, decided to cancel them and, and not bother acting at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shots fired! <laughs> <laughs> ah, he does all right, doesn't he, for what he's asked to do.
1: That was a very quick U-turn. Is it because he's so like big that you don't want to fight him?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm worried he might come out and smack my smack my face.